You're listening to the Rock and Roll Heaven Podcast with LD and TJ. Can you dig that, baby? <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven, the podcast where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musicians. I am your host, LD, along with me for the ride, as always, is TJ. Oh, hey. So, TJ. Yeah. It's Halloween almost. I know. Did you ha- Do you have your costume yet? Yes. What's your costume? I can't tell you. Yeah, I can't. It's not a wedding gown. <laughs> I know. Well, some people are so secretive about their their Halloween costumes out here. It's like, I can't tell you. You just have to wait and see. It's like... Really? Like, what if I don't see you on Halloween? <laughs> so what is it? Or they don't want you to steal their idea or something. I don't know. They're stupid. Uh, I'm just being Buffy. Oh, you know what's funny is uh, maybe you can help me win HQ trivia at 6 o'clock because it's Buffy trivia. Ooh. So, <laughs> yeah, this was the very first year Will picked out our costumes. And so I totally went with it because he is not a dress-up person for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, he never... He never does costumes. There was one year where he did a costume, which was House. Okay. He was Dr. House. Yeah. And that was pretty much it. He doesn't really dress up. So when he was like, that's what I want to be for Halloween, and then he went out and bought both the costumes, I was like, all right, this is what we're doing this year, and I'm totally fine with it. We're going to be Steve and Robin from Scoops Ahoy. Nice. (laughs) Stranger Things. So we will post our pictures from Halloween on Instagram. So that'll be a thing. There you go. Anyway... Since it is Halloween, we are talking about spooky, spooky stuff. So today I'm actually going to be talking about one of the scariest things for not just celebrities, not just musicians, but real people. So this actually is this creeps me out because I don't know about you, but I've had a stalker before. Yeah, I've had one. Yeah, it was not fun. So this this week, we're actually going to be talking about celebrity stalkers. And some of them are just insane. And so I just, I thought it would be something that sort of fit in with our spooky, spooky theme. So we're just going to jump right into it with one of the biggest celebrities we have now, which is Beyonce. All right. She keeps appearing on my spooky, spooky list because she is part of the Illuminati, apparently, right? Yep. <laughs> she's in, she's uh, involved with all that spooky stuff. I mean, she's part of the Illuminati. She's been stalked before. Is she already a ghost? Well, funny enough, this guy seems to think so. Oh, my. <laughs> Superstar Beyonce Knowles has been blitzed by threatening letters from a fan who bizarrely claimed that she was an imposter. Bay stalker Basie, I think his name's Essen, Essien, believed the theory that Beyonce actually died years ago and was replaced by an imposter. So right there, he's already on level ground. Yeah. Obsessed Essien said that the crazy in love singer was a fraud who had killed the real star, says court paper. This went to court. He also tried to give Beyonce a book of religious ramblings that he had written when he met her at a function in London in 2009. Court paper show to the people say, and I think the people is a, a newspaper or, or a magazine. I don't know if it's people or the people or whatever. It doesn't matter. He claimed that he was only trying to help out the star after dreaming that she was in danger. So we've got multiple levels here. He thinks that she's a fraud, tried to give her religious ramblings, and thinks that she is in danger. But his messages, emails, and determination to sneak... Hold on. Does he think that the real Beyonce is in danger, or the imposter Beyonce is also in danger? (laughs) That's a a question I don't even know if he can answer. (laughs) I mean... Fair enough. Yeah. 
I'm not. I, 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 at this point, I don't know. Maybe just trying to understand here. <laughs> yeah, this this guy, you know, what, and this guy is not the craziest one either. But his emails, messages, and determination to sneak past security at concerts and at public appearances left Beyonce too scared to visit London. Her management team called lawyers in last week, and I think this was 2010, 2011, and Beyonce actually won the anti-harassment order in high court prohibiting Essien from pestering her. The victory followed a series of hearings dating back to 2009. The case has cost her tens of thousands of dollars in legal fees. Essen of Norwood, South Lauren, was warned to stay away from Beyonce and banned from contacting her or trying to get around her entourage or anything like that. Like any member of her entourage, her he was banned from all contact. When approached by the people last week, he tried to defend his behavior, claiming that he lost the case only because of the lack of support from his lawyers. He said, I didn't have legal aid to help with my case. I had to defend myself. There's a lot more to this than meets the eye. In 2000, she was a victim of a separate kidnapping threat that was investigated by the FBI. A spokesperson for the star was unavailable for comment. So, Jesus. Well, yeah, I mean, you ask almost any celebrity, and most of them have had at least one stalker, you know. Can we just take a look really quick at this one? Re- I'm going to read read this 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 sentence because you need to understand how bananas it is. He claimed he lost the case because of a lack of support from his lawyers. He said, I had to defend myself. Right. I mean, if you're a lawyer taking this guy on, how do you defend this? I can't figure out if he's saying that he didn't have lawyers and he had to defend himself or his lawyers sucked. And it was, it, it he, was probably that his lawyers did not buy half of his crazy and were just like, OK, man, like just back off just shush <laughs> yeah i mean so, i don't know i mean i wasn't there you should have ordered these in like <laughs> you mentioned something about he's not even the craziest one you should have ordered them in order of like least to most crazy i think that's what i did ah, nice. <laughs> i think <laughs> there there are some of them that are just kind of i mean like okay it's not funny but the stories are kind of humorous when you think about like this person thought this would be a good idea so yeah. there's some thrown in the middle, but yeah, I do end on the as one f- that is the scariest. As a fly on the wall and in knowing that no one was actually hurt in the process of these stockings, now we can kind of find some humor. We are not making fun or like, I mean, we are a little bit, but you know. Yeah. Here's the next one, <laughs> which is, again, conspiracy theory, but I actually... I, so the 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 conspiracy Is it a conspiracy theory? No, no, no. The conspiracy theory from last week actually got cut out because it was so long that it may it was like a half hour that I went on that tear about Britney Spears yeah. being a puppet for George W. Bush. So yes. I actually cut that part out. Oh, okay. So we, we last week we actually had a story about Britney Spears, and for time I ended up cutting it because I don't know how long you're. Final episode's going to be, so I wanted to make sure we had enough time with our platform. So I cut it, but <laughs> I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty bananas. It was that, that, that. I remember that one. That image of someone on like their bathroom wall has a ton of pictures with like strings going to all of them. That was kind of the Britney Spears thing for me. <laughs> so as far as Britney Spears goes, in 2002, a man found himself obsessed with Britney Spears. Uh, Britney Spears has reportedly been receiving disturbing letters and packages from a stalker. The singer has said to have been so concerned by the mail, which includes a letter detailing how to make bombs and another one containing threatening language 
and weird gibberish. That's how all my letters are, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. I edit our metadata on the platform for the podcast. <laughs> At least you can kind of understand it. Well, sometimes I feel bad because I don't get to it right away, and it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> She has handed all the correspondence over to the FBI. Smart girl. A source close to the singer told E! Online a lot of the things that she was receiving were disturbing stalker kind of stuff. So to be safe, her security team is turning it all over to the police and the FBI. While the insider claims that the mail has been sent to various locations associated with the mother of two, Brittany, Los Angeles Police Department spokesperson Anna Argery says no specific investigation has been launched yet. She added, we are looking into the allegations that have cropped up in the past couple of months. An FBI spokesperson also refused to comment on the allegations. He started sending her emails, love letters, and even pictures of himself. And one time he crossed the line by sending her a message that says, I'm chasing you. Unsurprisingly, he received a restraining order. In spite of that, he continued to stalk Spears outside of her house and her parents' home, too. For some reason, he even tried to sue the singer after bodyguards confronted the guy outside of her home. I'm not sure how how you think you're going to win that case. I have no idea. You're on someone's private property after sending them threatening letters and you're going to sue them because her security team is trying to take measures to keep her safe. And and one of Spears' bodyguards actually pointed a weapon at him and I think that was like why he tried to sue. I'm sorry. That's And then he claimed that he was struggling with emotional stress. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't win that case. You might be, but she, hers is worse. Yeah. Don't send people threatening letters and tell them that you're chasing them. Yeah, probably not. Uh, in April 2004... Daniel Lachance, Lachance, I'm going to say Lachance because that sounds fancy. Daniel Lachance was arrested on two counts of criminal trespassing and stalking. Police say he entered the property of Spears' father's home in Kentwood, Louisiana, while searching for the singer in her hometown. That that June, he pleaded no contest to two counts of stalking, was given a six-month suspension, and ordered by the judge to return to his home country of Canada. I didn't think Canadians were capable of doing weird stuff. I'm pretty sure everyone around the world is capable of doing weird stuff. Like, I mean, not everyone, but you know what I mean. Like, um, every country has someone in there that's not quite right. Yeah, so that's two separate events. So that's kind of what Brittany had to go through. I mean, that... Was it 1999 to, like, 2004? Britney Spears was huge. So to have two separate stalkers, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't shock me. You reach some sort of plateau of fame, and it's kind of almost expected, mm-hmm. don't you think? Kind of, yeah. The next case we're going to deal with is T. Swifty, Taylor Swift. Uh, Taylor has dealt with a couple stalking cases. Uh, one of them happened back in May of 2013 when she was like four, right? No. <laughs> it's only 2019 right now. Oh, yeah, but see, I look at her and she's such a baby. Like she's, She'll always be, I think, 21 to me. Well, that's because she has a whole, a whole album about it. So <laughs> Fair enough. 22-year-old Lucas Vorvelt, Vorstfeld. That is a heck of a last name. It's V-O-R-S-T-E-V-E-L-D. Vorstfeld? <coughs> Sounds like Forcefield. <laughs> I'm going to call him Lucas Forcefield from now on. He was arrested for stalking Swift and making a round-trip swim, a round-trip swim only a mile away from the singer's private beach to her home. Other stalking cases happened last year when a guy certainly got his comeuppance. 
After threatening to hurt Swift and her family, Frank Andrew Hoover was arrested and sentenced to 10 years of probation. Swift had already had a restraining order against him for stalking. Well, as of the 10-year probation, Hoover will also be monitored by GPS, and this is to ensure that the authorities know his whereabouts so he can't get near Taylor Swift without them knowing. So, yeah, that guy got 10 years and now has to wear a GPS locator on himself. Jeez. Hope it was worth it, dude. I know. I always wondered, like, when you, if you get the the home, you know, house arrest or, like, GPS, and they have it on your ankle, how do you wash your feet? I'm sure they're waterproof. I, are they? I don't know. I've never had one before. Okay, could you please commit a crime so that you get house arrest and have to wear a GPS? I mean... Here's the thing. In Ant-Man, he is under house arrest, so he has the GPS ankle, and it shows him in, I think, the bathtub, like, with his leg out. So that made me wonder if you can actually take a shower. I don't know. I mean, maybe you can't submerge. I don't know. I'm sure there's a protocol to be able to take a freaking shower (laughs) and wash your feet. Or maybe you have to take baths and that's your wash real punishment. Your foot separately. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like I say, I've never done. I've never had one. I don't intend to have one. Hopefully, knock on wood. That's that's like, an IKEA coffee table. I'm pretty sure that's not real wood. It's wood particles. Close enough. Wood adjacent. Yeah. Close enough. And from March of this year, a Florida man who recently got out of jail for stalking Taylor Swift in New York City was arrested again for allegedly breaking into the pop star's Manhattan home early on Thursday. And this is from like March of this year. Roger Alvarado climbed a ladder to the second floor of Swift's townhome in Manhattan before using a brick to break a window around 2.30 a.m., a New York Police Department spokeswoman said. The townhouse was being renovated so no one was inside, although an alarm was tripped bringing officers to the scene. So that's good. At least the at least the, the security system worked. Yeah. Alvarado was arraigned in Manhattan Criminal Court on April 21st, 2018. He's accused of breaking into Swift's Manhattan apartment. Uh, he was 23 years old when he... T- 23. Alvarado, 23, was booked on suspicion of burglary, criminal contempt, criminal mischief, and possession of burglary tools. I didn't know that was a crime. I didn't know that was a crime either. <laughs> I should get rid of my lockpick set. I mean, I, I could see it being evidence... <laughs> Yeah. I didn't realize it was a crime. What is, like, also, what is a burglary tool? Probably, like, lockpicks, maybe diamond cutters for the windows. Like <laughs> that, little, not, that little circle thing you see in spy <laughs> movies for, like, cut. <laughs> I don't know. Like, is that a real thing? I don't know. I don't, I, I'm sure it is. They, they have them in movies. Yeah, but they also have, like, hoverboards. Well, they're kind of real. Not the kind I want. Well, I can't help you there. But, I mean, they've been showing those in, like, cat burglar movies since, like, the 60s. Man, like, get with it. I know, but I don't think he had that specifically because he said that he broke the window with a brick. Maybe he had... (laughs) Maybe he had a utility belt like Batman or, like, the little... (laughs) <laughs> the little thing that like shoots out of the shoots up in the grappling, the grappling hook, hook thing, yeah. But the, the but the the motorized one, <laughs> or like like the like in Mission Impossible, the one that drops you down. No, he had a ladder. <laughs> well, Tracy's broken. He was released from jail February fifth after serving 
a six-month sentence for breaking into Swift's home on April 20th. He pled guilty to criminal contempt and attempted burglary. He's expected to appear in a Manhattan courtroom on Thursday. Alvarado's lawyer says that she has not been able to reach her client Thursday morning and declined immediate comment. Swift, and this is when she's, she was 29. She's not 29. Not my T-Swifty. <laughs> Swift penned an essay for Elle magazine saying that she feared going on tour after a bomber targeted fans of Ariana Grande in Manchester, England in 2017. I remember that. Like, of course, yep. I remember that. But that was like... It was only a couple of years ago. And what was crazy was it, there was... There was footage. Yep. There's actual, you can go on YouTube and, and view clips of the bomb going off, which is terrifying. I mean, that's that's the thing is like we might be laughing at this, but honestly, I can't imagine living in that much fear. Like Beyonce couldn't go to London. She couldn't go to an entire town because she feared one guy. Like that's got to be so scary. Yeah. Like yeah. and it's one it's coming from one person. Like that that's the scariest thing. Is yeah. that it wasn't like an army of people that have been threatening her. It's one person. Right. So much so that she couldn't go to London. Like she couldn't actually go to that city. Yeah. <sighs> Singer T Swift though. What's it? Yeah. I was completely terrified to go on tour this time because I didn't know how we were going to keep three million fans safe over seven months. Swift wrote in a piece published Wednesday, this is a tremendous amount of planning expense and effort putting forward to keep my fans safe. The pop star also mentioned how the stalker made her feel like she needed to start prepping for bad things. Websites and tabloids had taken it upon themselves to post her home address that I've ever had online. You get enough stalkers trying to break into your house and you kind of start prepping for bad things, she wrote. Every day I try to remind myself of the good in the world and the love that I've witnessed and the faith that I have in humanity. And that's that's one thing that we haven't touched on is that she does she does genuinely care about her fan and keeping them safe. And and this one person has made her so scared that she's got to figure out how to prep for that, how to keep her fan safe for seven months. And it's scary. Used to be that you could go to a, a club or you could go to a movie theater or you could go to a concert venue and not have that fear. We don't have that luxury now. And it's all because of nope. one person. It's, well, it's several people. No, no, no. It's Each event was one person. Right. But I'm saying, but collectively, it's several people have done this, you know. Yeah. But you had one person that did the the Aurora shooting, which was the, the movie theater. You had one person who did Pulse. You had one person who did the bombings at the Ariana Grande concert. These were these were one person. Each, Individuals, each, yeah. Each individual attack was one individual person and that is so scary and we don't we don't have that we can't every time i go to a movie theater i don't carry a purse now because i want to make sure i have my car keys on my body and that i've got my wallet and everything that i need on my person so if something happens i can get out and still be able to get into my car or show my id to someone yeah and that's just that's the world that we live in and we live in a major city mm -hmm. we live in los angeles and there are events that are going on all the time. You know, it it would be nice that we if we didn't have that fear anymore. Yeah. It would be nice if people didn't do that crap. Yeah. Because their own lives are not satisfactory. Well, let's hop over to Miley Cyrus. Okay. <laughs> I am friends with Miley Cyrus. She is my wife. Me and Miley have been friends for five years. Is reportedly what Miley Cyrus's stalker Jason Luis Riviera told police when he was caught trying to get into the star's house 
with a pair of scissors. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming scissors. I'm assuming he was trying he was going to attack her. Cyrus got a permanent restraining order on this guy before Riviera was convicted of misdemeanor trespassing and sentenced to 18 months in jail. Maybe he just wanted to get a lock of her hair. Gross, either way. Well, I know. Gross. But better than trying to kill her with scissors. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we don't know his motives. Yeah. So that was her first stalker. This is another one of her stalkers. A seemingly deranged Miley Cyrus fan who was arrested after her show Saturday night reportedly told her security team that it was his life's mission to impregnate the superstar. Oh, my. (sighs) Ew. Ew. David Rumsey... 42 was in the crowd of her iHeartRadio music festival set in Las Vegas when Cyrus's security team spotted him, TMZ reported. What year was this? How old was she? And he's 42? Does it even matter? (laughs) Well, no, but it's grosser if she's really young. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Uh, He was detained and later arrested. The man was reportedly on the team's watch list because he allegedly made threats against the wrecking ball singer in the past. Rumsey had also been active on Twitter in his quest to reach Miley Cyrus. As noted by the tabloid news outlets, Rumsey tweets often about the 26-year-old, so she was 26 at the time. Okay. Most recently, before her show, and at this time, at the time that this was written, it, the article was from the week after this happened. So this was before her show. On Saturday, when Cyrus tweeted about her iHeartRadio performance, Rumsey wrote, can't wait. That seems rather non-threatening. Yeah, it doesn't seem threatening unless you understand motive behind it. Yeah. It gets creepy when he writes this. Been here since Thursday hoping to maybe meet up with you before if you... Okay, so I'm going to read this tweet. I'm assuming it's verbatim and it's not written correctly. So this is my mushmouth saying this. This is what he actually tweeted out. Been here since Thursday hoping to maybe meet up before if you were in we're in town early. Not were. Where? In town early. Love you and hope you give me time. We have a lot to talk about. Wait, what? See, that's where it gets creepy. (laughs) It's where I'm like, no, we don't have a lot to talk about. No, we don't have anything to talk about. Perfect stranger on the internet. Oh, and it continues. Just an FYI, I would have spent more time on concert, but I didn't want to be sitting next to someone trying to get with me. I myself don't want to be next to anyone but you. I do hope we can meet up like I've been asking before concerts just to talk about your music lyrics, he tweeted. Rumsey later followed up saying that he was hoping not to be back at my room. I don't want you to have to go to Motel 6. I wanted to stay in one of the hotels closest to the stadium and banned from MGM motels from when you took my soul. I'll go check messages for where to meet at. I'm in room 208 at Tropicana 1. Wait, he wrote that on the internet? Yeah. Did anybody show up? No. (laughs) I hope the police. (laughs) Other than the police. (laughs) Like, I could just see some crazy drunk internet troll showing up at his room. That would be karmatically beautiful. Yeah, that would be funny. On September 13th, he apologized for hurting Cyrus and blamed President Trump. <laughs> I, mean, how, I mean, there's a I'm, lot of things to, there, but like, uh, how was that Trump's fault? <laughs> like, Does Trump own the Tropicana? I don't actually know. I don't actually know either. I feel like he would put his name on it, though. It'd be like Trump's Trump Tropicana. Towers. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. Maybe he's mad. I, I don't know. He tweeted he hopes that they can talk about everything in Vegas so I can explain it all to you. I am wanting as much 
one-on-one time talking with you as possible. I know I will soon be partying it up with all the famous people, but you and I are the only ones I really want to talk to. I feel like a party we'll be having, everyone will try to talk to me and try to talk to you might be harder. I know after we're together, we can party it up with Tupac, Biggie, Prince, Michael Jackson, and all those we lost, Rumsey said. So any party you might have planned will be more of a pre-party. That is... That's creepy. That's like, oh yeah, come over to my hotel room. I'm going to murder us both, and then we're going to go party it up with all these dead people. That is terrible. Oh, nope. That's so gross. Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. Now I hope for sure that she's like, okay, police, this is where you find him. <laughs> go get him. <laughs> he has repeatedly tweeted that he loves Cyrus and he can't wait to see her and has even tweeted at her famous father, Billy Ray Cyrus. Sources told TMZ that it was with his Twitter feed that Cyrus's security team wary of Rumsey ahead of the show. They handed out photos of him to the staff inside the venue and warned to look out for him. Online Clark County records indicate Rumsey was booked on felony charges of making threats and was still being held as of Tuesday when this article was written on a $100,000 bail. Good. Please keep him in there. Yeah. So that one was recent. Yeah. More more recent than uh, Beyonce's, I think. Yeah. Ew. Okay, so let's talk about J-Lo for a second, because this is the one that I'm sure when it happened, it was terrifying. And if it happened to me, I would be freaked out. But as an outside observer, it's actually kind of funny, even though, I, like I said, I know it would be scary to actually have it happen to you. And so... I give you the story. In August 2013, Jennifer Lopez had an uninvited guest stay in her home. John Dubois, a former fireman, reportedly broke into J-Lo's Hampton estate and stayed there for six days. John slept on a couch in the pool shed at the $10 million Hampton property and parked his car in front of the star's home during his stay between August 3rd and August 9th, according to police. Under the pseudonym David A. Lopez, Dubois' online posts are almost solely about J-Lo, including a photo where it's him biting a heart-shaped box of chocolates with the caption, Jenny's always sending me the love. (sighs) And his posts include images that appear to have been taken inside the grounds of the mansion that J-Lo bought in 2006, where he was discovered by police on August 9th. One image taken on August 8th shows the house distinctive manicured lawns and appears to have been taken from a small outbuilding. In another post, the initials of the star are engraved into a tree and he comments some more David and Jenny art. He went unnoticed for nearly a week until he was spotted by Lopez's security guards. The 49-year-old man already had a protective order against him. That, however, did not stop him from entering Lopez's home and making himself comfy there. We're not exactly sure what he was trying to achieve, but he assumed that he wanted to feel closer to her somehow. The stalker even claimed that he was the singer's husband and he also told the police that he was the father of her children. Which we all know that's not correct. <laughs> no. Like, literally. Like, I'm pretty sure my mom knows that she was married to Mark Anthony. Right. Also, if you're the husband, then why are you in the outhouse? Like, why are you in the pool house? <laughs> not, I was going to say, not the outhouse. Are the you pool in, house. Are you in trouble? Are you... Maybe. He claimed Lopez had allowed him to remain in the house because they were together romantically with children. Following his detection by Lopez's employee, a man was taken in for psychiatric analysis. Good. Yeah, that, that tracks. Good. Yeah. So basically, this guy broke into J-Lo's home, stayed there for six days, 
undetected, took photos, posted on social media, and was only caught by a security guard. That is scary. At least uh, it doesn't seem like she was there. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm guessing it was, it, this is a vacation home and they weren't there. Yeah. Yeah, well, because but it's the, in the Hamptons. Yeah, you know? the Hamptons is like the That's the like retreat, you, the fancy retreat for, for rich and famous people. Yeah, and usually more summer time, you know. This one actually hits kind of close to home for us because we both work on this show. Really? Yeah. This one's about Paula Abdul's stalker. And this one's actually one of the more traumatizing ones on my list. A former American Idol contestant, Paula Goodspeed, was absolutely obsessed with Paula Abdul and even auditioned for the show to no avail. Paula has blasted the show's producers for allowing the obsessed fan Paula Goodspeed to audition knowing that she was a stalker. The creepy thing about this one is you can actually watch her audition online. So if you go to YouTube and look up Paula Goodspeed, her audition pops up. However, she was fanatical, but her behavior was kind of harmless from the outside. Uh, For example, her car was totally decked out with everything Paula from her ABLLV license plate, which is Abdul Love license plate, to her picture of Paula on her rear view. It ran deeper than that. Abdul said she has been a stalker fan for about 17 years, and it wasn't until American Idol that she knew how to get to me. Prior to that, it was always through a fan club. So when it happens, you're an open target to be followed home. So for the last few years, it's been a little tough. Speaking to the veteran American broadcaster Barbara Walters on her serious radio show, later that night, Abdul elaborated on her anger against the producers. She said, I said, this girl is a stalker of mine. Please do not let her in. Everyone knew. I mean, I was shaking. If you look at YouTube of her audition, I can't even look up. Abdul was filming the new season of American Idol with Simon Cowell and Randy Jackson when she was informed of Goodspeed's suicide in her car on November 11th. The death was ruled a suicide by drug overdose. She was found surrounded by prescription pills along with photos and CDs of Abdul. Goodspeed was an obsessive fan, having legally changed her name to Paula, drawn many pictures of her, sent her flowers, and auditioned for Abdul on season five of American Idol in 2005 at a stop in Austin, Texas, before being dismissed from the show. Goodspeed has been accused in the press of being a celebrity stalker, but her relatives dispute the claim. After finding out about the woman's death, Abdul moved out of her Sherman Oaks home and has been staying with friends where she looks while, while she looks for somewhere new to buy. So this is more of a more, this is an older article. This back then. It was yeah. back then, yeah. A police confirmed Goodspeed died after overdosing and had been involved in several incidences at Abdul's home in recent years. Abdul admits that she was incredibly emotional since Goodspeed's death and is finding it difficult on the set of American Idol. She says, I've been in tears. I said, I can't go back. It's disappointing to me what happened was Fox Broadcasting literally went to my home and gave my address away and showed my home and showed how easy it was to break in. When asked by Walters if she wanted to leave the show, which she has been a judge on since 2002, she said, well, I'm under contract. She also claimed Goodspeed had sent her threatening letters. She sent me letters saying the only way that I could serve her purpose was when I was up in heaven being her guardian angel. That's scary. Yeah. Uh, But Abdul also hit out at Cowell for continually talking in her ear in what she claims to be a bid to distract her from speaking or formulating her thoughts coherently during the event. That's a a sad one with a sad ending. On both ends. It's sad that this girl couldn't see the light and couldn't pull herself out of that place to the point where she committed suicide. 
However, I will say that I'm glad that Paula was not injured. Right. But, I mean, if we want to break it down to the nitty-gritty, I do feel bad for Paula because she she did feel like her life was in danger. And then this girl committed suicide on her property. I wouldn't go back to that house either. Oh, I think I missed that part where you said on that it was on Paula's property. Oh, yeah. It Ooh. it was on her property. It was like in front of her house. Oh yeah, that would be disturbing. Yeah, I was like, why'd she leave? Why were the news fans at her like showing her address? I'm very confused. Now I understand. I think that part was missed. <laughs> yeah. So this guy, Robert Dewey Hoskins, is actually a serial Madonna offender. Apparently, he's been doing it for a very long time. In addition to threats, he also tried to get close to the singer on three different occasions. On one occasion, he did manage to plant himself within 10 feet of Madonna back in 1995. It wasn't until he started making threats that he found himself in a brawl with the guards that ultimately jailed him for a decade in 1996. But even jail couldn't remove his fascination with the star. According to reports, he even wrote Madonna stalker all over his cell walls. Madonna isn't the only one who has Hoskins to fear. Apparently, he also had his sights set on actress Halle Berry. I mean, that's scary. Like, he, that is, that is horror movie level stalking. Like, they get caught and they spend their day just scrawling Madonna stalker on their own cell wall. Yeah, that's scary. That is so scary. Uh, In 2012, Madonna was in fear for her life for a second time as the man who was convicted of stalking her in the 90s escaped the mental institution where he was committed. He was deemed, so this is Hoskins, was deemed too huge a threat and was first sentenced to 10 years in prison for stalking Madonna in 1996. He had been obsessed with her for years and her bodyguards were forced to shoot him when he hopped the fence at her Hollywood Hills home. Hoskins was a violent man. And he said he was either going to marry Madonna or slash her throat from ear to ear. Hoskins served his time and was later transferred to his psychiatric hospital for another arrest, but escaped that facility in 2012, like I I, I was saying earlier. He was apprehended by police in February and taken back to the Metropolis State Hospital in Norwalk, California. That's terrifying. That's so scary. Yeah. He's either like, I'm going to love you forever or I'm going to murder you. I don't know. Depends on you. If you agree to marry me, then I'll let you live. Otherwise, gotta die. That's terrifying. When we do an episode on this person, who I assume, I guess I'm going to have to do this episode, because when I was little, I legit thought I was going to marry him, but it comes out I was wrong, because apparently Michael Jackson probably wouldn't have married me. But uh, I'm not the only person that thought I was going to marry Michael Jackson, as you're going to see. So Michael Jackson, of course, has had his fair share of stalkers in the past. I'm just going to talk about um, one of them. <laughs> I was like, well, no, because uh, there's a couple people that I have like a few stalker stories for because some of them are more available, which happened in 2007 because he was being reportedly stalked by an Australian drag queen. Okay. Mm-hmm. What was her name? Uh, I'm getting Melanie. That That was her Aww. drag name. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm obsessed with like drag names that are really fun and playful. Oh, like Sharon Needles is one of my favorite mm-hmm. ones. <laughs> the drag queen sent Jackson up to 100 love letters a day filled with eerie content. Sources say the man was seemingly obsessed with Michael and knew that Michael wanted to marry him. So he knew that Michael wanted to marry him. Jackson was said to... Obviously. Yeah. 
Jackson was said to have, uh, at the time, had to hire four more bodyguards and was wearing a bulletproof vest at all times after receiving a number of threatening letters. Let's just talk about that for a second. A hundred love letters a day. That's, where do you find the time for that? Who has time to write one letter? Write, not email. I write. mean, if you're obsessed, yeah, but writing one letter a day is no big deal. A hundred a day is a lot. Maybe they were like really short love letters. But think about, okay, number one, you have to write a hundred love letters. Then you have to buy the postage for that. That would be enough to deter me. That's like $400 just to mail them off. Postage was a little cheaper back then. But I mean, let's think about inflation though, because it was relative <laughs> to income. I'm just saying. Even back then, to and mail also, off. was the was email really a thing like a big thing back then either? Like at that mm-hmm. time, I don't think so. Probably not. Two thousand seven. Oh, two thousand seven. Oh, well, maybe. But it's not as romantic. No. Also, what if he was left-handed? And prove that you can get to him. <laughs> also, what if you're left-handed? What about it? Because if you're writing and you're left-handed, usually you get like ink or lead on your hands. That would just be a problem well, for me. They, a lot of people figure out how to get around that. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> a source told Britain's Daily Star newspaper, the person is plaguing his life and has sent some seriously dodgy letters. They're from a man who works as a drag queen in the seedy King's Cross area of Sydney, Australia. The, con- in, the content is eerie to say the least, and this person is seemingly obsessed with Michael. The alleged stalker who goes under the name of Melanie has bombarded the 48-year-old king of pop with up to 100 lewd letters a day, begging him for a relationship and asking for his hand in marriage. Sources add he writes all kinds of things, saying that he knows Michael wants to marry him. He tells Michael that he needs to marry him. Michael has been having problems sleeping because of this guy. So that was one stalker. And I did have another story about a second stalker that Michael had to deal with that I kind of added at the last minute. So... The FBI on Tuesday, which is Tuesday of 2009 because this is an older article, released hundreds of previously still documents related to Michael Jackson, most of them about the 1992 investigation of a man who threatened to kill the pop star and then U.S. President George H.W. Bush. The records include numerous threatening letters sent by the suspect who the FBI had falsely claimed to be the son of the then Gambino crime boss John Gotti and was initially ruled mentally incompetent to go to trial. The suspect, whose name was concealed in the heavily redacted FBI records, eventually pleaded guilty to federal charges of mailing threatening communications and was sentenced to two years in prison, the FBI said. The files, however, include newspaper clippings about the case that identified the man as Frank Paul Jones, a 34-year-old fan who was obsessed with the, the Jacksons' sister's singer, Janet Jackson. According to news accounts at the time, the New York man had been arrested at the White House for attempting illegal entry and was arrested one month later on the grounds of Jackson's parents' home in Los Angeles. So he showed up at Joe Jackson's house. Yikes. <clears throat> yeah. In one letter, the suspect wrote, if they do not arrest me or solve my problem, I'm going to attempt to kill President George Bush. In another, he threatens to commit mass murder at Michael Jackson's concert if necessary and personally attempt to try to kill Jackson if he doesn't pay me my money. So, yeah, looks like this guy was obsessed with both Janet and Michael. Uh, The files made public in response to a request under the Federal Freedom of Information Act also reveals the FBI's role in assisting California police in, in investigating the child sexual abuse allegations against Jackson, who died at age 50. And one more. This person went the extra mile. Convicted stalker 
Grambrella Jamila Jackson, who also used the alias Billie Jean Jackson. Can you imagine where she got that name? Hmm. And Lavon Muhammad was placed on conditional probation and banned from coming within 500 yards of Michael Jackson's home in Encino and in Santa Barbara, as well as his Los Angeles-based company, authorities said Wednesday. Again, Wednesday when that article was written. Jackson, not not Michael, Billie Jean, was sentenced in Van Nuys to 99 days in jail, which she has already served, after she pleaded no contest to trespassing at the Superstars Encino home in October. Jackson began serving the sentence after she was arrested January 8th at the same home, authorities said. The case developed from three trespassing violations in October and November of last year when the woman claimed each time to be Michael Jackson's wife. Again, pretending to be a megastar's spouse. Yeah. It's just a weird one for me. Deputy City Attorney Ryan Sally King said the woman had a 10-year history of stalking Jackson and other members of the Jackson family, King said. Santa Barbara resident was also ordered not to telephone, follow, threaten, strike, or make any physical contact with the singer or his family members, authority said. A violation of that order would be equivalent to violating probation. So Justin Timberlake, let's talk about him for a second. He was forced to file a restraining order against a 48-year-old woman named Karen McNeil after she was caught hanging around his Hollywood estate. And I mean, that happens all the time. Like, I've, I've seen clips of people hanging outside of Team 10's house, you know, the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So I, And there are tours that take people by celebrities' houses. So, I mean, this is a thing that happens. Like, people hang out in front of these stars' houses, which I just think is gross. Don't do that. She had actually been caught lurking around the property two other times before. Reports say that she trespassed onto Timberlake's property, attempting to gain access into his home, and delusionally claimed to be friends with him. At least she claimed to be friends with him and not his wife. (laughs) That seems to be a trend. I feel like you shouldn't claim anything that can be easily Googled. Not anymore. Uh, Now she's obliged to stay at least 100 yards from the singer, his car, and his home. Karen McNeil showed up at Timberlake's house on November 9th, claiming that she was God and that she and the sexy back singer were destined to rule together. She also said that Babylon witches were after her and she feared that they were going to cast an evil spell on her. Of course, authorities promptly took her to a psychiatric facility. This was not the first time that McNeil showed up at Timberlake's home either. Justin said that she had gotten through the gates before and uh, that she had claimed to know him. So this was like a thing with her. Uh, Prior to stalking Timberlake, McNeil was actually obsessed with Guns N' Roses frontman Axl Rose and was arrested several times outside of his house. So she's four kinds of crazy. Yeah. But, you know, slightly complimentive that uh, she equates, you know, she equated him as high as Axl Rose in her mind, you know, I don't know. Yeah, but have you seen Axl Rose lately? I would have no, moved I on don't. from him, too. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying <laughs> to find a bright spot. Um, there isn't really one. I think the bright spot is that she's maybe getting the help she needs now. There you go. I like that one. Maybe. Not... So this is the one that was when I was doing my research. It was the heaviest one. And it's so scary because you can actually go online and see, A, watch compilations where this guy ends up on lists about scary stalkers. But you can still find the eventual resolution to this event online as well. And it is, I I watched it for the purposes of this episode, and it is disturbing. Right. So we're going to talk about Bjork Stalker now. So in 1993, Ricardo Lopez became fixated on Icelandic singer Bjork. 
He began gathering information about her and her life, followed her career, and wrote her numerous fan letters. Initially, Lopez cited her as his artistic muse and said that his infatuation gave him a euphoric feeling. As time passed, his fixation about Bjork became all-consuming and he grew more disconnected from reality. And in his diary, Lopez wrote of a longing to be accepted by Bjork and to be a person who had an effect on her life. He fantasized about inventing a time machine that would enable him to travel to the 1970s to become friends with her as a child. His fantasies about Bjork were not sexual. In his diary, he wrote, I couldn't have sex with Bjork because I love her. Lopez's diary grew to 803 pages with passages including his thoughts on Bjork, as well as his frequent inadequacies due to being overweight, his disgust and embarrassed over suffering from gynecomastia, which he referred to as the deformity that made him feel a little weird, and his inability to get a girlfriend. He wrote that he considered himself a loser who never even learned to drive and complained about his menial job as an exterminator that earned him little money. The diary contained 168 references to Lopez's feelings of failure, 34 references to suicide, and 14 references to murder. He made 408 references to Bjork and 52 references to other celebrities. In 1996, Lopez was living alone in an apartment in Hollywood, Florida. Around this time, he read an article in Entertainment Weekly that mentioned that Bjork was in a romantic relationship with the musician Goldie. Lopez was angered by this perceived betrayal and the fact that she was involved with an African-American man, writing in his diary, I wasted eight months and she has a effing lover. And he began to fantasize about how he could punish Bjork. Lopez stopped writing in his diary and began filming a video diary in his apartment. According to Lopez, the diary's purpose was to document my life, my art, and my plan. Comfort is what I seek in speaking to you. I am being my own psychologist. You are a camera. I am Ricardo. He recorded 11 videotapes containing approximately two hours of footage each. The tapes contain footage of Lopez preparing his revenge and discussing his crush that ended up as an obsession. Lopez, angry over Bjork's relationship with Goldie, intensified and he decided to kill her. In one entry, he states, well, I'm just going to have to kill her. I'm going to have to send her package. I'm going to send her to hell. Lopez initially intended to construct a bomb filled with hypodermic needles containing HIV-tainted blood, which satisfied his desire to have a lasting effect on Bjork's life. When he realized it would not be feasible to build such a device, Lopez began constructing a letter bomb using sulfuric acid with a hollowed-out book, which he planned to have sent to Bjork's home in London by her recording label. The device was designed to explode and kill or disfigure Bjork as she opened the book. He would commit suicide after mailing the bomb, hoping that in the event that the bomb killed Bjork, the two would be reunited in heaven. On the morning of September 12th, 1996, Lopez began filming his final video diary entry. The final tape, titled Last Day, Ricardo Lopez, begins with Lopez preparing to go to the post office to mail the letter bomb. He states that he's very, very nervous, but that if he arouses suspicion, he would kill himself rather than be arrested. After returning from the post office, Lopez resumed filming. As Bjork music plays in the background, Lopez, nude, shaves his head and paints his face red and green. He examines himself in the mirror and tells the camera that he is a little nervous now. I'm definitely not drunk. I'm not depressed. I know exactly what I'm doing. The gun is cocked back. It's ready to roll. As the Bjork song, I Remember You, finishes playing, Lopez shouts, this is for you, and shoots himself in the mouth with a 38 caliber revolver. Oh my God. Yeah. Lopez groans and his body falls out of the camera's range. At this point, the camera stopped filming. 
a hand-painted sign bearing the words, The Best of Me, September 12th, hung on the wall behind him. Police theorized that Lopez intended to cover the sign with his blood with the gunshot. On September 16th, a foul odor and blood were noticed coming from Lopez's apartment. The Hollywood Police Department entered and discovered his decomposing corpse. Written on the wall was the message reading, The 8mm videos are documentations of a crime, terrorist matter, they are for the FBI. The Boward County Sheriff's Office evacuated the building while the bomb squad searched for further explosives, though the device Lopez sent was the only one constructed. After viewing Lopez's final tapes, police contacted Scotland Yard in the United Kingdom to warn them of the potential explosive package en route to Bjork's residence in London. The package had yet to be delivered. The Metropolitan Police intercepted it from a South London post office, and it was safely detonated. There had been little danger of Bjork receiving the letter bomb as her mail was vetted through her management office. Unbeknownst to Lopez, Bjork and Goldie had ended their relationship a few days earlier before he mailed the bomb and killed himself. After Lopez's suicide, Bjork said in a statement that she was very distressed by the incident. She said, it's terrible, very terrible. It's a very sad thing that someone would shoot his face off. And I make music, but in other terms, you know... People shouldn't take me too literally and get involved with my personal life. She did end up sending cards and flowers to the Lopez family. Well, that's nice. Yeah, so Bjork left London for Spain where she recorded her album, Homogenic, and she also hired security for her son, Sindri, who was escorted to school with a the minder. A year after Lopez's death, Bjork discussed the incident with an interviewer. I was very upset because someone had died. I couldn't sleep for a week. I would be lying if I said it didn't scare the F out of me, that I could get hurt, and most of all, that my son could get hurt. Lopez's family and friends were aware of his obsession with Bjork. They maintained that they had no idea that Lopez harbored violent thoughts or was capable of violence. At one point, Lopez's brother had told him to get a real woman, you're obsessed. A psychiatrist who treated Lopez for anxiety shortly before his death also stated that Lopez did not appear to be dangerous. Lopez's videotapes, including his suicide, were confiscated by the FBI and released to journalists. And there is actually a documentary about this that was released in 2000. In 2000, the 70-minute documentary film, The Video Diary of Ricardo Lopez, was released. Directed and edited by Sammy Schaaf. Sorry if I'm getting that name wrong. The film is a condensed version of Lopez's 22-hour video diary. He decided to limit the film's availability as, I want to be there when people see the film because there are all sorts of things about Ricardo Lopez on the internet. I would like to be able to talk to people about what it is they've actually seen. And that's Bjorkstalker, which is, for me, like one of the most terrifying things. Yeah. I mean, because we can, like with Paula Abdul's, you can actually see it playing out. Right. On your computer, and it's knowing what happened, it's eerie. Yeah. So I just want to say, I've had to stop myself a couple times in this episode because we started going way off track and just talking about stalking in general. But the world that we live in now is an open world. We have Twitter, we've got Facebook, we've got Snapchat, we've got Instagram, and these celebrities are closer to to us now and they're more accessible to us now than they've ever been and I saw an article about how a stalker actually used Instagram photos of the person that they were stalking to zoom in to their glasses to figure out where they were and found them and this was like this week so I mean it's it is scary and when it comes to celebrity 
you have to think that there is a give and take. Like you have to let people into your life, your lives, because if you don't do it, they're going to figure out a way around it anyway, like tabloids and stuff. Mm, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just feel like we need to let have let people have a little bit more of their own privacy, and that's the reason why so many celebrities are having issues with you know they're having issues being so public we're trying to trying to create privacy for themselves and you know i mean it's just so i feel like it's almost like they're too accessible well yeah yeah that they there needs to be a distance for some you know because that's the thing the celebrity draws all of this other stuff again with the paparazzi though I would rather put a picture up on Facebook or Instagram of what I'm doing rather than have the paparazzi take that shot and have that get out into the public well, against right. my will. Like I would I would much rather do it myself than I would for someone else to take it. So right. I mean, the thing is ever since the advent of quote-unquote celebrity, there have been people that are figuring out ways to get information and get close to these stars. Right. So when it comes down to it, though, I think that it takes a special mentality for someone to be a stalker. But that's kind of the thing, though, too, is that this is a different mindset, though. I mean, the majority of the people that we talked about and the majority of the people that get to this level, there is something psychologically off, for lack of a better word, about that individual, that they feel that connection, that they that they grow that up to that level of obsession and that's the other thing is we think we know that these people we think that we know these singers and and we think we know actors and you feel like you know these people because you do you are privy to personal aspects of their life I mean I literally dream that Jonathan Van Ness is like my bestie like he appears in my dreams and gives me advice Am I going to stalk him down and act like he knows this? No, I am not. Me and you have totally different dreams because mine is of Charlie Chaplin. See, there you go. <laughs> but, you know, am I grateful and am I happy when I wake up after those dreams? Absolutely. But again, not going to try to find him and tell him, hey, my dream said that we're best friends, so we must be best friends. Like, I think I made a joke about it on Instagram, but on a friend's post but it's like it's not it's nothing serious it's nothing that I genuinely believe this is my best friend and that I'm going to show up at one of his things and we're going to hang out afterwards like and we we said this at the top of the show was I know that I've had a stalker in the past and I'm certainly not Michael Jackson or Beyonce but it is scary because you have to watch what you post online. You have to watch mm-hmm. what time you're going to the grocery store because they know when you go. Yep. And that, I still don't have my phone number listed on my Facebook page, even for my friends. I, I <laughs> and everything is private. Yeah. And that was the other thing was like I had to make some of my profiles private where they would have direct access to me. And it was a scary time for me. Because I was constantly looking over my shoulder. I was I was constantly in fear of my phone ringing. And that's the worst feeling in the world where you don't feel secure in your own home. And I think what it boils down to is this is one of those things that is really, that, that breeds real fear. And 
I I couldn't imagine being someone like on the level of Beyonce or on the level of Michael Jackson and having to deal with this, not only from just one person, but but several occasions. Because when you're on that national platform, you have more eyes on you. And that's more of an opportunity for someone to take advantage of that. Right. And we do live in a time where there's so much open information that if you have something like Spokio, you can just find people's phone numbers and addresses and it's online, it's out there, making it completely accessible from someone who is as famous as Taylor Swift is to your next door neighbor, which is so scary that that information is out there and it's available. Yeah. (sighs) Too much information. Yeah. Yeah. So just be careful out there, guys. That's this is like the most. I think that's the perfect place to end it. That's be careful like out there. So such a bummer way to end the episode. But like, you have no idea what I was going through to research this episode. It was just like terrifying story after terrifying story. And of course, like some of the things we laugh at, but in the end, these people are truly disturbed. And so while I try to have a sense of humor with some of the stuff, I do hope they get the help that they need. Yeah, agreed. And that's where we're going to end this episode of Spooky Spooky October. Spooky October. <laughs> Love it when you do that. <laughs> uh, we're going to be back next week where TJ takes the reins and I am... For Halloween. I'm so excited about what she's talking about because I do it. So anyway, I'm super excited about next week's episode. Uh, TJ is going to be taking the reins for one of my favorite subjects. And if you're wondering why TJ is doing this, is because if I did this, it would be a 12-hour podcast. And TJ is putting her foot down about those kinds of things. <laughs> so I will be interjecting a lot, especially since I've got my voice back. So hooray. So basically my research can't exceed six pages. Otherwise, we're <laughs> otherwise it's still going to be a 12-hour it's, podcast. It's just going to be a list of names. <laughs> yeah. Please make sure to check out next week's episode. I'm apparently going to have my mouth duct taped. <laughs> it may be reality at some point. <laughs> um, so if you guys want to help out the show, uh, you can do that at patreon.com, which is patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven. You can find us on Twitter. <laughs> I just with a sudden realization that I'm about to give out every way to contact us. Yeah, but that's different. Is it, though? It's not our home address and phone numbers. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. And personal accounts. Like, come on. So I'm just going to give out all the ways that you can contact us with no sense of irony. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven. You can check us out on Twitter at rock and roll LT. Our Facebook page is rock and roll heaven pod. Our Instagram is rock and roll heaven LT. Still not saying our website, or you can email us at rockandrollheavenlt at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for checking this episode out. We'll see you next week. Hey, TJ. Yeah. Every breath you take, every move you make, I'll be watching you. I still think it's the creepiest song in the world. It really is. I'm getting out of here. All right. right. Bye. Bye.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 